Well, that was a great moment of worship. Thank you uh, to our praise team and all of you. Thanks, Jesse. I was reading uh, about a children's science quiz and thought I would begin by sharing some of that with you today. Uh, shorten the back leg and we'll set it on this. And uh, follow me as I, as I read a couple of these examples. These are questions that teachers asked to young people as they took a science quiz. The uh, first question was this. Name the four seasons. And the answer was salt, pepper, mustard, and vinegar. Um, the second question, explain the processes, explain the processes by which water can be made safe to drink. Flirtation. Flirtation makes water safe to drink because it removes large pollutants like grit, sand, dead sheep, and canoeists. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> so you can have a drink. Uh, name a major disease associated with cigarettes. Premature death. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I like this one especially. Um, what is the fibula? A small lie. <laughs> and uh, what does varicose mean? As you get older, you really don't want to know, do you? But what does varicose mean? It means nearby. <laughs> and the last one, um, what does the word benign mean? Benign. The answer was, benign is what you will be after you be eight. <laughs> uh, benign. That was a long time ago for us, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it is good to be with you today, and we're starting a sermon series, and I'm calling it Spring into Joy. And it's going to be based on the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. And if you have your Bible, I encourage you to bring your Bible each week. And uh, if you don't bring it, there is a Bible here in the pew. You can turn to Philippians, page 196. The advantage of bringing your own Bible is that you can write down some things the Lord says to you, and it's kind of nice to have those on a permanent basis in your Bible. So I encourage you to be bringing your Bible, if you could, as we go through the book of Philippians and spring into joy. The letter to the Philippians is, of course, written by Paul, the very famous missionary and apostle, the Apostle Paul, and uh, where were the people that he wrote this letter to? Philippi, you're such great students of the Bible. Yes, he wrote to the people in the city of Philippi. Now, the book, uh, the letter of, to the Philippians is uh, written to the church in Philippi or the Philippian people, and let me tell you just a bit about Philippi. They had somewhat what, like Southern California, they had formerly been a gold mining area. When Paul wrote to them, the gold mine industry had moved on. It was not in Philippi anymore, but they had a history of, it was a long, an old city with a long history of gold mining. Uh, it was a Roman colony, and it was a colony along what was called the Ignatian Way. You might say that's like the freeway system. It was a colony that was uh, filled with commerce. There was a lot of coming and going of business. It was nine miles from the port of Neapolis, and so goods would come in there. It was a place of culture, a place of the arts, a place of, uh, of religion. And that's where Paul uh, writes to as he writes this letter. The city itself was an old city, but the father of Alexander the Great, his name was Philip of Macedon, had rebuilt the city when it had been destroyed, and he's the one who named it Philippi. Now, the Bible does talk about Philippi outside the letter to the Philippians, and that's, of course, in Acts chapter 16. Paul is traveling as a missionary with his team, 
and he sails into the port Neapolis, and from the port he goes up to the city of Philippi, and we read in Acts 16 that uh, on the Sabbath day there, he went to a prayer meeting. It was a woman's prayer meeting. It was by the river, and there he prayed with the women, and of course, as he would always do, he told them the story of Jesus, the good news, the gospel. And as he explained the gospel to them, the scripture says there was a woman there, a businesswoman named Lydia. And the scripture says that she opened her heart to the Lord. That's a great line. Is your heart open to the Lord this morning? I hope so. She opened her heart to the Lord, and she opened her home to Paul and his missionary team. And so that was the beginning of this church born in the city of Philippi. You can read the story in Acts 16. Now, Paul is writing to those folks, and I want, I'm going to encourage you to read through this book several times as we spring into joy this season. It's a short book. You can, four chapters, read a chapter a day. You can get through it each week. As you read, remember that Paul is in prison. That's why he can't go see them. He's locked up, and he had had some plans. He got in trouble with the Romans. He's locked up in jail, in prison. And as he writes this letter, one of the key themes is joy. And it's interesting as you read to remember this is written by a guy who's in jail. And his plans have been cut short. He can't do what he wants to do. And yet he talks about joy. Paul, as he writes this letter, he's not sure if he's going to literally lose his head, be beheaded, which could have happened, or whether he'll be set free. He doesn't know. So keep that in mind as you, as you write this letter. Now, those of you who have grown up in the church... Uh, you could probably preach a pretty good sermon on joy in the book of Philippians. And if you've been in church any time at all, you know the three-point outline, or at least I think you do. Um, where are we going with this? If you're going to make your three-point outline, the first, the first point is what? This side's got it. The back row I'm a little worried about. First point is what? Jesus. Okay, so take out your note sheet and follow along if you would, but... Uh, we're going to put down Jesus, and uh, if it's a really good sermon, they say what? Jesus first. If Jesus is first in your life, that's a key to joy. You've heard that? Right? You're smiling. I can see you have. Now, this, the second one we're going to fill in is what? Others. Okay. And uh, others are what? Jesus first, others second. Okay. And... Uh, you know where we're going. What's the Y stand for? You. Okay. And you're third, or another way to put it would be last. And you've heard this kind of outline, and this is okay. This, this works. Uh, Jesus is our source of joy. We'll say more about that in just a moment. And certainly others in our life can bring joy, as well as uh, you yourself. You're a key to joy as well. And so th- this kind of works. But for many of us, as we've heard this outline, it's like... I don't know. There seems it makes me a little uncomfortable. Am I always supposed to be last? If you go to a doctor and you say to her, um, I'm sick, you're hoping that your doctor keeps herself healthy so she can help you to be healthy, right? If you go to a mental care person, you know, a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, you hope that person knows how to live in a healthy manner, that they take care of themselves so they can also kind of take care of you in terms of why you're there. So it's not always true that we just want to see ourselves as a doormat or last. So while this works, I've been thinking about, isn't there a better way to express this? And so that's where um, I was thinking about this triangle, and 
writing it a little differently. Instead of first, second, third, why do we have to do it like that? This would, of course, be Jesus. And uh, we're going to put others here. And uh, who goes over here? You go over here. And as you th- think about this, um, I think it works pretty well. Jesus is our source of joy. As you go through your life, others have a huge impact, but so does your environment, right? I can't get it all on there, but you can sort of read that. Your environment impacts you as well, doesn't it? And this past uh, Friday, our junior-senior high leaders have been planning for some time to take our young people on a camp trip to Big Bear, going up to a cabin. Now, what did it do all day Friday? Wow, are we really tired today? Rain, thank you. It did rain on Friday. And uh, we don't ever complain about rain in Southern California. We need it badly. We just didn't need it that day. And so we debated, and I talked with our young people, I talked to a parent or two, and said, what do you think? And we called up to Big Bear. It was snowing. We were worried the van would get up there, and they'd be, the roads would be blocked or chains would be needed. So we decided not to send our junior-senior hires up to the mountains because of the bad weather. In other words, the environment impacted us, and some of them lost a little joy because they couldn't go to the mountains this weekend. That happens, doesn't it? Um, events also can impact your joy. This past week, it was a little bit difficult. In fact, I thought of not starting this series because of what happened in Virginia. I said, do I really want to begin a series on joy this weekend in light of the news in this country? And so I wrestled with that. And so events can also impact our joy a great deal. Now, as I've been thinking about this uh, sermon series and talking about joy, I've realized in my own life... um, You just can't say Jesus first, others second, yourself third, or, you know, if you get all this right, it's going to happen. Because your life and mine are the same in the sense that some days are really joyful, aren't they? Other days, what? You're like Lucinda Williams' song, you stole my joy and I want it back. You know, give me back my joy. I just know it's gone. And so I was thinking, and the paper's a little small here, but you can see in your outline, um, isn't joy really kind of... uh, if you set this up, there's this interplay or kind of this circular thing that goes on. Sometimes we're very joyful in the Lord, or sometimes others bring us great joy. They can also bring us a lot of sadness or events or our environment. And even yourself, sometimes you're just kind of upset for none of these reasons. It's just you. You may be joyful, you may not be. So I want you to think kind of about this interplay of these things that happen in our lives, and they do impact our joy. Now, I said we're going to look at the book of Philippians, so why don't we start that now? Uh, in the book of Philippians, I'd like you to turn there to page 196, Philippians chapter 1, and let's look at the first few verses here this morning. The letter opens with Paul's greeting. Now, when you write a letter, if you were writing me a letter, it would say at the top, Dear Steve, and if it's a long letter and I hadn't seen the return address, what do I have to do to find out who the letter's from? I have to go to the back and say, oh, this letter's from Joyce. Because in our society, we have a strange way of, you know, you write the whole letter, and then at the end you say, well, you know, it's by me. In Paul's day, they did what actually sounds a little more logical. It says, Paul and Timothy, we're writing to you in Philippi. The first words you read are Paul and Timothy, verse 1. 
And so Paul introduces himself at the outset of this conversation or letter to say, hey guys, I'm writing you. And that's what he's doing here. So uh, that's how the letter begins. I would like for somebody, some brave, loud soul, you can read loudly, it doesn't mean you're loud, who would stand up and read verses 1 and 2 of Philippians chapter 1, the greeting. Thank you, David. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishop, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. That's the greeting. Now look in there at these words. There's some great words in there. The word saints, the word Christ Jesus, uh, the word grace, the word peace, and of course the several references to God. I want to talk to you this morning as we begin this series about joy talk, because I think your words have a lot to do with whether or not you have joy. And so we're going to pay attention to words today. What do you think? Now, think with me about your words. When you talk, uh, I was, as I said, up in the mountains camping with a seven and a nine-year-old. And uh, late one evening, when uh, Caleb was going around like a wild uh, man, and he knocked over the Coleman lantern. You know, I, I had to think twice before I spoke because my first words were going to be upset words. You're going to break the lantern. You're going to start a fire. What are you doing? You run around. You're like a madman. You know, I had to be very careful not about what I'm going to say to this little seven-year-old that's got an, an amazing amount of energy. Words are important, aren't they? And as you think about joy, uh, there's a relationship between what you say about things and whether or not you have joy. So now let's look at what Paul says here as uh, he begins this letter. First of all, he addresses it to whom? Saints. That's people that lived a long time ago. We don't have any saints today, right? Turn to somebody next to you and say, Hi, saint. Would you do that? Hi, saint. We've got all sorts of saints here. That's, that's just another way of addressing the church. And he says, uh, greetings to saints in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to talk to you about joy talk and say three things out of this. And joy talk has to do with how you talk about what you have received. How you talk about what you have received. In the next chapter, we'll look at it in a few weeks, Paul writes this. He says to the saints, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work His good pleasure. Now, if joy begins with Jesus, if the source of our joy as people of faith is Jesus, what's the question? Remember the commercial, Got Milk? Isn't the question, Got Jesus? What's the answer? Do you have Jesus? Now, most of us, I would say, will answer yes. Terry just shared with us uh, about Jesus in his life, how he's walked with Jesus for all these years. Is Jesus in your life? Or to put it the way Paul puts it, are you in Christ Jesus? Now, it's possible you're sitting here today and worshiping with us, and you would say, Steve, I'm really exploring Christianity. I have not invited Jesus into my life. I don't trust him as my Savior. We're glad you're here. And I want, to, I want to especially ask you, why not trust Jesus? And listen right now, because for those of us who have trusted Jesus, 
What are the benefits of knowing Jesus? And give me one or two words, not a sentence, but let's get some feedback. What You know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So what? What's the benefit of that? Forgiveness. Love. Assurance of eternal life. Peace. Purpose. Peace of mind. Good. Joy. Uh huh. Guidance, a sense of direction. The Holy Spirit is in us. All of those are benefits of having Jesus in our life. And so as you think about joy, and it's my experience, there are some days I just feel very joyful. Other days it's like, what happened? You know, I didn't go out and commit some grave sin. I, you know, it's not that that's robbed me of my joy. Where'd it go? And I don't have a good answer for that question, but if I do know this. If I sit down and begin to reflect on what Jesus has done in my life and begin to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm discouraged or whatever it is, and begin to focus on all Christ has done for me, wow, you know my sins are forgiven? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You could say amen. I mean, I, I wouldn't be offended. Uh, my sins are forgiven, or maybe you don't think they are. They are. Uh, home in heaven. Uh, God's given me his spirit. He's going to guide me. In fact, uh, look at verse 6. I'm going I'm to come back to this verse at the end today, but it says, I am confident, Paul says to the saints, I am confident that the one who began a good work among you will quit on you when you're halfway through. No. He's going to go three-fourths of the way with you. No. He's going to go all the way. He's going to bring it to completion on the day of Jesus. That's encouragement. God's not going to quit on me. God has unconditional love for you and me. So, when you think about joy, uh, it's helpful to think what you have received in Christ Jesus. And so the fill in the blank there, I'm about to forget it. Um, joy talk includes how you talk about what you have received. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have cause for joy. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have cause for joy. Now, joy talk also includes how you talk about those who help you about those who help you. We're going to put this verse on the screen. You've got it in your outline there. I want you to underline two words. Um, are they already underlined in your outline? No. Okay. Uh, underline the word remember. Let me read this scripture, and we'll underline remember. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Because of your sharing, that's the other word to underline, in the gospel from the first day until now. Underline, remember, and sharing. Paul says, and it's remarkable when I read Paul's prayers and think of my own, there's such a difference. Paul says, when I remember you, I remember you with what? Joy. Now that raises the question. Don't answer out loud because I don't want my feelings to get hurt. But when you're praying for Steve and you remember Steve, your pastor, do you remember him with all joy or something else? But let's not stop there. You may pray, I hope you pray for Ted. When you pray for Ted, do you remember him with all joy or... Think of anybody. When you pray for sisters and brothers, do you first of all say, wow, I'm so glad that Laurie's in the family of God and in the church and read Scripture this morning. You know, do you pray like that? I don't. I don't. 
But here's a good model for prayer, right? And it would bring some joy. And Paul says here, I mean, I hope he's not lying. He says, every time I pray, I pray with all joy when I think of you. Now, the flip side is, (laughs) uh, is it easy to think of joy when people think of you? Are you a joy-filled person? How do people think of you? And they're going to think of you according to the way in which you live. And so... I think sometimes we may make it difficult for people to think of us with joy because of the words we use and the way we live. Now, we're talking about words that, as you think of those who have helped you, and Paul, the next phrase is, he said, thank you, I have so much joy. Part of the reason he had joy, we be, what was the other word we underlined? Sharing. Sharing. Good. It's really a very popular Christian word, koinonia, fellowship. We use it all the time in the church. That's the word Paul uses, koinonia, sharing, fellowship. He said, you have fellowshiped with me in the gospel. How did they do that? One way was what? They gave money, the pastor's wife said. That's true. Uh, How many of you have ever in church... They've talked about missions. We've promoted a missionary or a mission project, and you've given money. You ever done that? I think we all have. That's what Paul's talking about. He said, I'm joyful because you've supported me and the mission team along the way. And so as Paul remembers them, he remembers the help that he gave, that they gave to him. And that was a cause for joy. He said, I'm so thankful because you've helped me out. Now, as you think about there, there are a variety of ways to do this. But as you think about life in general, did anybody ever help you out? Or have you just been going alone all your poor little life? Nobody ever helped you. Never taught you to read. Never taught you to tie your shoes. Never taught you to feed yourself. That's why you eat with your hands. We've received a lot of help in life, haven't we? And if we would stop and think about those people who have helped us, it make a difference in our joy level, right? Now, the other thing, back in March, we did that Just Walk Across the Room series, and I challenge you to take a postcard and to think about who is it that led you to Christ or who is the major influence in your becoming a follower of Jesus. And I encourage you, take that card, write them a thank you note. Now, I hope you did that. And it could be that the person who led you to Christ has gone on. You can't reach them this side of heaven. But I wrote my mom and dad, and my mom recently said to me, she said, oh, by the way, we got your little postcard. Thank you. It made me cry. Tears of joy. I kind of had tears of joy when I wrote it. And so as you think about joy talk, a part of that is thinking about all I've received from God, all the good gifts from God, A part of it is thinking about all those who have helped me along the road of life, both spiritually, physically, mentally, in all sorts of ways. I've needed a lot of help to get to this place. I still need a lot more help. And so as we think about that, we think, wow, there's so many people helping me out, helping you out. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? It brings joy. And Paul reflects that as he talks about the help he had received from this church. Now, finally, joy talk includes how you talk about your future. (laughs) <laughs> How you talk about your future. Now, we have had a, uh, a blitz of news about this tragedy. And it may be some of you just need to turn the television off because you're just being overwhelmed with so much difficult news that it's causing you to drift into the ditch of depression or despair 
or something like that. And maybe you just need to turn it off. Because when you think about your future, it ought to bring joy, not sorrow. Paul says this, and I want to read verses 9, 10, and 11 as we wrap up this um, first section. Paul says, this is my prayer. Now, again, uh, we're going to talk about this in staff meeting, Ted, a little more to see. Do we pray like Paul prays here? This is amazing. Paul says, this is my prayer. How did Paul pray for the church in Philippi? Just read verses 9, 10, 11. This is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and in full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Back in verse 9, he said, here's my prayer. The first thing he prays for is love. Now, I pray for my children every day. I hope you do too. Certain family members I pray for every day. And generally, what do we pray? Keep them safe. Watch over them. That's okay. But what about praying like this? Dear Lord, help my children, my daughters-in-law, my grandchildren, help them to understand your love more and more so that they have knowledge and full insight. That's wisdom. So they understand how to make the best choice. That's what Paul says here. How they help them to to understand your love so much and to have so much knowledge and wisdom that they determine what is best. Wow. That's a great way to pray, isn't it? And I hope you pray for me that way. Help Steve to have so much, understand your love so well, and I pray for you that way, that you have full knowledge and insight to determine what's best. That's as we look towards our future. There was a senior citizen who was about to have major surgery, and it turns out his son was an expert surgeon in that area. And so even though the son didn't want to do it, the dad said, you've got to be the surgeon in the operator. You've got to operate on me. You've got to do this surgery. So it was agreed. The dad is wheeled into the surgical room. He's about to go under the anesthesia. And here's what he said as he looked up at his son. He said, son, don't be nervous. Do your best, and just remember, if it doesn't come out all right, if something happens to me, your mother is going to come and live with you and your wife. (laughs) Well, as you think about the future, as you think about the future, as Paul thought about the future, what does he say in these verses? He says not only that you can determine what is best, but that you may be what on the day of Christ? When you see God... What does he want to have happen? Be pure and blameless. Wow. That's special. I'm praying that when you get to heaven, when you see God, you've determined what is best, you've made the right choices in life, and at the end, in the day of Christ, you are pure and you are blameless. (laughs) That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's a great prayer. And so that there's a great harvest of righteousness. I want to invite you to spring into joy, to spring into joy this season with me. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to read God's Word, and I'd like to give you some some directions as we wrap up this section of Philippians 1. Paul's praying, and he's looking forward to the future. And he's looking forward to that day when we're going to be pure and blameless and have a great harvest on the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you say, Steve, what can I do? Well, first of all, are you in Christ? You got Jesus? Have you accepted Christ? I hope so. But if not, why not do that today, just in the quietness of your place, as we 
worship God here, you'd say, Lord Jesus, come in. I do trust you as my Savior. That's the first step. Spring into joy. I want to challenge you to do the following. Read with me Philippians each week. So you'd read it through several times. And so that it becomes very familiar to you, just soak up in the book of Philippians. I'd like to encourage you to read the letter of Philippians. Secondly, talk to God and ask God to help you be a person of joy. Also, take this outline, if you would, keep it in your Bible where you're reading Philippians. Just flip through it now then, review it. Review what God's saying to you. And then finally, I want to challenge you. This would be for extra credit, I guess, if we were in school. But why not memorize one verse a week from Philippians? That'd mean you'd end up with five or six verses. This book, or little letter, rather, has just filled with some great verses. Terry referred to one of them today. In verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, this is our verse for the week. And I'd like for you to read it with me together. Uh, shall we read? Philippians 1, 6. I'm confident of this... I'm sorry, I messed it up. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Let's say that again. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping the Lord by giving our gifts and our cards. So, gentlemen, if you'll come forward as I pray. Father God... Thank you for this little letter that Paul wrote from prison, facing a lot of challenges, and yet he was so filled with joy, with love, with peace, with grace. He was confident that you had begun a good work in him and that it would be completed on the day of Jesus. May we have like confidence today. Lord, bless these gifts that we're giving now. We pray that it might be to useful to your kingdom, to your work here in Pasadena at the First Baptist Church, as well as around the world in a variety of works. Thank you that we can give in Christ's name. Amen.